Well, throughout this year, we've been dropping in at different times of the year as part of a series we've just uh, talked about, we've entitled Outlook, Overcoming Negative Emotions. Just, we've been dropping in what the Bible has to say, how to overcome some things that completely overwhelm us at times. And one of the things that can overwhelm us is doubt. Because we run into situations like you saw described in that video where we lose a loved one and we prayed and they died anyway. Or we prayed for a job and the job fell through. Or we were in love with somebody, and they weren't in love with us. And God didn't seem to hear our prayer. Where is he? What's going on? Well, today we want to talk about how do we deal with situations like that, where circumstances are going one way, and all the promises of God are going the other way, and it seems like the circumstances are winning. The good news for us is we believe the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice, and it guides us in this too. The Bible goes right at this topic over and over again. I don't have, I mean, I could do a whole series just on this. There are so many scriptures that apply, but I'm going to do my best to condense it into one little message today that I hope will be very helpful because we're going to wind up with five things that will help us overcome doubt. So I want us to pray together. And if you're coming here today and you've got all kinds of questions, I'm glad you're here. And I hope this message will help. If you're at a place right now where you're experiencing God's blessings, but you know all too well what that video is talking about, then we need to hear this so we're ready for the next time when the doubts come. This is part of life in a world that's fallen. When we worship a God who's beyond anything we can comprehend. Let's have a word of prayer and jump right in. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word again this Sunday morning. Lord, you never fail us when we seek you and we seek your counsel. You always promise to give it. And so today I pray that you'll speak, move me out of the way, and help us understand some things that will help us overcome doubt. Doubt that paralyzes us. Doubt that terrifies us and confuses us. Please, Lord, give us the encouragement and understanding we need. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Point one on your outlines is simply this. There's an outline inside your bulletins. Point one is simply this. Doubting is common. It's common. I mean, all throughout Scripture, it's common. And you'll be surprised, some of you might be, by the fact that the disciples had issues, that Moses had issues, that people... Every major character in the Bible had times in their life where they had to go, God, what are you doing? You promised this, and I'm experiencing that. How does it fit together? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So doubting is common, and there's an amazing story where a man is struggling with doubt face-to-face with Jesus. And so we get to see how Jesus addressed this story tucked away in Mark 9. Jesus and a couple of disciples have been on a mountaintop where he has been transfigured in front of these disciples. They could see him in his glory, but not all the disciples were there. The rest of the disciples were down at the foot of the mountain, and while they were there waiting on Jesus and the other disciples to come back down, a man came up who brought his son to them, and his son was demon-possessed. And they tried to cast the demon out, and they couldn't. And so now Jesus and the disciples that had been with him have come down the mountain They see there's a big commotion going on. The disciples are arguing with people who are saying they don't know what they're doing, that type of thing. And here's what happens. This is Mark 9. Teacher, the man said, this is the man who had the son that was afflicted. Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. 
But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent and convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, well, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything's possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And if you would underline that sentence, please. I do believe, but help me under, uh, overcome my unbelief. That's exactly where we are, and it's why we chose why I chose that passage in Overcoming Doubt. This is a guy asking Jesus to do exactly what we want. Oh, Lord, we believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers that was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child, never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. And a murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Now there was a crisis of faith. The man had brought the boy to Jesus' disciples. They couldn't help him. And he was doubting whether Jesus could. Jesus said, if I can, oh, help my unbelief. This is right where we are when we face difficult times. And the question is, are we going to lean into our faith in those times, or are we going to give up? Because, well, let me just go to this life application, because faith is essential to having a personal relationship with God. The word faith in the Bible is an interesting word. It just, it could be translated believe could be translated trust. Pistos is the word. It just means to trust. And unbelief, they put an A in front of it, apistos, which means don't believe, don't trust. Either I trust or I don't. And this is what God asks us to do. Trust me. I mean, God is off scale for us. He does things we cannot comprehend. He is all-knowing, all-powerful. He's lived forever. He sees yesterday, today, and the future crystal clear, understands how it all fits together. I don't know about you, but that's not me. I'm not sure what happened in the past. I've got clues. I have no idea what's happening in the future, and I'm not even sure what's going to happen the rest of the day. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. And so we're confused about so much. We meet people and go, why'd they say that? Did you see the way they looked at me? What was going on with that? And we don't even know what that means. And so we're trying to figure out life. And the Lord asks us to trust him. The writer of Hebrews makes this really clear. He says, faith, that belief, you could put trust right next to that. It just, it's the confidence we have that what we hope for will actually happen gives us assurance about things we cannot see. It's impossible to please God without faith, and anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. When we have doubts, this is where to say, look, I'm going to, and we'll talk about some ways to overcome them, but first of all, I'm going to acknowledge this, that I worship a God that I can't explain. And I worship a God who's so infinitely superior to me that I'll never comprehend him. And when we do that, it's going to require us to go off grid and walk by faith a whole bunch. We want a relationship with him. By the way, faith and trust, well, to have a personal relationship, 
I can't have a personal relationship with anyone without trust. I mean, tell me how far a marriage is going to go if the husband and wife don't trust each other. Tell me how far your relationship is going to go with your banker if you don't trust him or her. No trust, no relationship. And we're going to have to trust him. Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. Can we say that together, please? We live by faith, not by sight. One more time. We live by faith, not by sight. That does not mean we check our brain at the door. I mean, Mark Twain, I think, was the one who said, faith is believing something you know ain't so. And that's not what faith is. Faith is trusting God, that God knows things we don't know yet. And that God can do things we cannot do. So, we're going to cover five reasons why, that are common for why we doubt, and then five ways that we can overcome doubt in our lives. We can deal with it head on, because the Bible does right here. We'll be coming back to this story, too. First of all, one reason we doubt is because God doesn't do things the way we think he should or when we think he should. I mean, God has really got a completely different sense of timing than I have. In Isaiah 55, God explains this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. My goodness. I mean, I've shared many times in the past that I fell in love with a girl in college, and she was not the right the one that God had for me. But I was angry at God when she broke up with me, particularly because she did it in a very rude way. I had to work through all that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Didn't work through it so well, did you, John? Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is this. is like, and then it was year, a couple of years later that, my, my, that I met my wife, and I'm going, oh, Lord, thank you. But I didn't understand. That wasn't the way that I wanted God to do it, and it wasn't when I wanted God to do it. And if the Lord would have told me, hey, John, keep your shirt on. I got this other gal for you, you're going to meet her a couple years from now, well, I'd have messed it all up to go drive to find her today. And God used all that intervening time to rub off a whole lot of rough edges on me so that I'd be passable to my wife. Uh, I don't know if she agrees with that. So I'd be more passable <laughs> to my wife. And he knew he couldn't, that I wouldn't do that. Just trust me, John. I mean, maybe God's doing that with you today. A career change. Maybe there's some things working in your life and it's been really difficult. And right now you can't see it, but God is using these difficult times. The Bible tells us he uses all things for good and he'll use these things to build character in our lives. And the only way to build faith is to go through hard times. And God knows that. And he asks us to trust him. So he doesn't do things the way we think he should or when we think he should, so we doubt. Secondly, we can't explain God scientifically. I mean, in fact, Moses didn't beat around the bush on this at all. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one that we won't discover. He said, we're not responsible for those. We're responsible for what he has revealed to us. God's thoughts are so high. I mean, it's like explaining calculus to a chicken. Okay, I mean, we're not going to do it. I mean, think about this. I mean, even in my relationship with my own kids, there were times when my boys were small, just three years old, they would want a snack a half hour before dinner. And we'd say, no, now we'd 
given them snacks before, so they knew that we were not against snacks, but, and they believed that we loved them, but they were angry at us because we wouldn't give them a snack. They were hungry, and dinner was a half hour from now. It wasn't ready yet. And we'd go, no. Well, they'd pout and be angry because now all of a sudden, the parents who say they love us are being mean to us. How come they're being mean? Well, a half hour later or an hour later, had dinner, and they had a great dinner, and they go, oh, this was much better. Yeah. Now, think about this. If I'd have sat down with my boys when they're three years old and gone, guys, I know you're upset with me right now. Let me explain nutrition to you, okay? <laughs> Here's what happens when you eat. You break down carbohydrates, and you break down proteins. And if I started doing this, the three-year-old's not going to get it. In fact, I'm wasting my time to try to explain it all to them. What I do say is, trust me, go play when dinner's ready, we'll call you. And the Lord asks us to trust him the same way. A third reason that we don't trust, you flip your outline open, is because God's people have let us down. I mean, it happened to the father. He brought the, his boy to the disciples. I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, and they couldn't do it. I'm disappointed with God because some, people, some of God's people have let me down. The pastor was rude to me. Person reads their Bible all the time, they didn't return my call. Somebody else, you know, they were a connect group leader or they were involved in my small group and you know they they didn't treat me right. So now I'm gonna give up on on the Lord right now because my feelings are hurt. I mean it happens. Another reason that people give up on God is many people around us express doubts. I mean, lots of people around us express doubts. I mean, we can't prove God scientifically. We talked about it before because he's off scale and other things. But a lot of people say there is no God. And if there isn't scientific proof for this, it can't be true. And yet God tells us, no, it doesn't work that way. But people will express doubts or because they've been hurt, or because God didn't answer prayer the way they should, you can't trust him. I mean, there's plenty of stories in the Bible. Here's one from 1 Samuel 17. David's going to go out and fight Goliath. Most of us are familiar with that story. King Saul is the king of God's people. He's the strongest, most, the best, or the most well-armed of all the people. It's his job to go out and lead his people. He, should, he could go out in the name of the Lord, and the giant Goliath had been taunting the Israelites, saying, your God isn't strong enough to save you. And King Saul was afraid of him, so he hid in his tent. When David came along, he heard the same taunts, and said, well, why am I going to let this guy taunt the Lord? I'll go fight him. He was just a shepherd boy. He was going to go out and fight him with a slingshot and a stone, even though this guy was over nine feet tall and well-armed. He believed that God would guide the stone and his sling to exactly where it needed to go, and God did. But before he went into battle, here's what King Saul told David. They're having a conversation, 1 Samuel 17. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. And yet when David ran out to meet the giant, the giant was taunting him and telling him he was going to feed him to the birds and his flesh to the birds of the air. And, and David said, no, I'm going to win this battle in the name of the Lord because you've defied him, and he is going to win the battle. And everybody's going to know there's a God in Israel. And he slung the stone, 
and the stone sunk right into the forehead of the giant. The giant fell face down in front of the shepherd boy, and David ran over and pulled out his own sword and cut off his head with it. And a great victory was won that day. Because David had faith, even though there were people all around him. David's brothers told him to go home. The king told him to go home. Didn't know what he was talking about. You and I will have that too. Even though we'll find scriptures that clearly tell us that God is for us, people say, God isn't for you. There is no God. Even though there are clear commands in scripture about things we need to do. Yeah, I wouldn't trust that. Doubts around us all the time. The fifth reason that we doubt is that we focus on the size of our problems rather than the strength of our God. Certainly could be true with Goliath. I want to give you another example again with Moses. After the children of Israel had been rescued from slavery in Egypt through a series of ten miraculous plagues, after they'd crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground, God made a path through the middle of the sea when the Egyptians chased them, the army of Pharaoh came after them, the water closed over them, they all drowned. After all that, when they were traveling through the wilderness, people of Israel forgot how good God was. He sent food every morning. He sent manna for them to eat, and they got sick of it. And they started complaining. They said, we want some meat. And they complained and complained and complained. And so, right, we're going to jump in the story of Numbers 11 here, where God is having a conversation with Moses, who's leading the people. And Moses is saying, I can't stand it. All they do is grumble and complain. And the Lord says, me too, Moses. I'm tired of it. You tell those people to get ready. Tonight, they're going to get meat, and they're going to get so much meat, they're going to eat it for a month, every single meal. They're going to eat it till it comes out of their nostrils because I'm tired of them belly aching. And listen to how Moses responds after he's seen all these miracles. Moses responded to the Lord, There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, and yet you say, I'll give them meat for a whole month? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? And then the Lord said to Moses, Moses, has my arm lost its power? Now you'll see whether or not my word comes true. Moses himself doubted. Well, Lord, I know you could drown the Egyptians, and Lord, I know you sent all those plagues, but you can't get us meat for a month? How are you going to do that? And we do that. Well, yeah, Lord, you helped me in the past, but uh, this is a bigger problem. And all these stories are recorded for us so we can understand that doubting is common. And the Lord asks us to trust him. By the way, that story did end up that that night the Lord caused a wind to blow and the whole camp was covered in quail three feet deep. And the people went out and caught quail. There wasn't a person in the camp that didn't have at least 50 bushels of quail meat by the, end of the, by the next day. And they ate it till they were sick of it. No more meat. And these stories are in the Bible for us to understand nothing's impossible with God. He wants us to trust him. And at times, many times, he's going to take us off grid from the things we know and the things we can do in our strength. But that's what it's like to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And faith is essential. So here are five things we can do whenever we come to those times. When we get to the times like Moses, when we get to the times like Saul, when we get to the times like the disciples where they didn't know what they were doing. Hey, what went wrong? Five things we can do. First of all, we can acknowledge our doubts and pray. We can admit, I don't know what's going on. I mean, the dad did. To the dad's credit, he had brought his son to Jesus. The disciples failed him. 
And that's what kind of spurred on all the doubt. And so he said to the Lord, he said to Jesus, I do believe, please help me overcome, but help me overcome my unbelief. This is a prayer. We can turn that into a prayer too. When we run up into situations, we go, Lord, all the circumstances are going the wrong way and I need your help here. I believe, Lord, but you've got to help my unbelief. Um, a little more to the story, by the way, is verses 28 and 29 of Mark 9. After the boy had been healed, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, the disciples asked him, hey, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, well, this kind can only come out by prayer. And then some of the oldest manuscripts, only by prayer and fasting. Now, many people have read this story and said, well, Jesus didn't pray. What, he, what do you mean? I mean, it's like, it wasn't like, bring the boy to me and Jesus prayed. The disciples hadn't been praying. What's he talking about prayer? Well, the whole idea of prayer and fasting and the idea of prayer, what Jesus is talking about, is the idea of what is what most of us or many of us call personal devotions. Time devoted to the Lord every day to build a relationship with him. Praying for guidance every day. Praying for wisdom throughout the day. Having a constant communion with him. There's a note. It's not the next note. It's the, I got that out of order there. I'm sorry about that. But the next note down there, the second note, is this. Effective prayer demonstrates our reliance on God as we surrender to his will and ask him to fill us with faith and power. Effective prayer is aligning ourselves with the Lord and communicating our reliance on him every day. I mean, that's where the term devotions come from. This is time devoted to God so that we can devote our hearts to him. Lord, I'm praying for my marriage today. I'm praying for my job today. I'm praying for that difficult meeting that's coming at 11. I'm praying for our finances. I'm praying for my tongue. I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for my enemies and the people who don't like me and I don't get along with them. Lord, I'm going to pray about every single thing in my life and I want you to show me how to live it. And as we do that, the Bible says we come to trust him. And Jesus told the disciples, well, you don't have that kind of relationship. Because apparently this demon put up a fight and wasn't going to go easy. Now, it's interesting, and let's go to that other note, back to that. The disciples didn't have as much faith as they thought. When Matthew is sharing the same story, he tells us a little bit more. This is from Matthew 17. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Well, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move here, from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. A mustard seed is just like a little grain of sand. And the reason you didn't get an answer is you guys don't have as much faith as you thought. I mean, you had, they, in Mark 6, this is from Mark 9, Jesus had sent them out, and they had cast out demons before. But this one put up a fight. And apparently they gave up. Bring him to me. And Jesus cast him out. Well, why couldn't we cast him out? You didn't have enough faith. You haven't spent enough time in prayer wrestling through things. When you meet people who have spent time in devoted prayer, there's a trust that comes and a peace that comes and an assurance that comes that is wonderful and marvelous. And this is what the Lord wants for all of us. It wasn't a magic incantation that they hadn't used the right words. He's talking about a relationship. 
Because through that relationship comes the trust we need. We can also, it's also important for us to spend time in God's word. That's the next point. We need, we need to admit we have a problem and pray. We need to spend time in God's word. I mean, I showed this outline to somebody earlier in the week, and they said, uh, oh, man, that first point, that's kind of like AA or one of those 12-step programs. I have to admit that I have a problem. Yeah. Doubters Anonymous. Hi, I'm John, and I'm struggling with doubt, Lord. That's what God wants us to do. I mean, I heard uh, Craig Groeschel talk about that once. He had a whole lesson that he did on Doubters Anonymous. Can we all admit that we struggle with this at times, and can we just bring our lives to the Lord? So we, we spend time in prayer, and then we spend time in God's Word. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. Faith comes when we read God's Word. Faith comes when we read about people like Moses. Faith comes when we read about people like David. Faith comes when we read the story of the man and his little boy. When we understand God's word, we see how God has interacted with his people in the past. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this is how he's going to interact with us too. We can know him. When Paul was proclaiming the gospel to people in a city of, uh, in, by the name of Berea, there were some people there that had, they were familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And Paul was telling them Jesus was the Messiah who fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. They had been to other places, another city called Thessalonica, where people just rejected it out of hand, said, oh, it's a bunch of hogwash, it's not true, and they ran Paul out of town. Well, this is what the Bible says about the people in Berea from Acts 17. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And so when we have doubts, God wants us to search the Bible and see if See what the Bible has to say about it. That's why we're suggesting this. There are a whole lot of things the Bible gives us clear teaching on. And then we can gain confidence. In fact, it's also important because there are false teachers in this world too, and we don't need to just believe everything that everybody says. If something doesn't line up with Scripture, we need to say, that's not right. Because God's Word will never contradict itself. It won't contradict what He's telling us to do. A third reason, that, or a third way we can overcome doubt is to spend time with people, with God's people, people of faith. There are many people who give us doubts. Well, there are other people who can encourage us in our faith. Romans 1.12, when we get together, I want to encourage you, Paul wrote. I want to encourage you in your faith. And I also want to be encouraged by your, yours. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul says, I'm sending Timothy to you to encourage you in your faith. People were encouraged in their faith by Titus when he came. We encourage each other. There are times when I'm struggling with doubt and the right word or a prayer time with somebody, and I go, I'm not going to give in. Not today. This is what God wants for us. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is talking about making sure that people didn't give in to false arguments and strange teaching. And he says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey. Well, that's what happens when we're encouraged by people who know more than we know about a certain topic or have been through a circumstance and can help us. If you look down at the bottom of your page there, I've given you some resources. We don't have to know people personally. We can take advantage of Christian books and websites too, and find out what other people can, how people can help us. Here are a couple of resources that can help us with our faith and overcome doubt. 
James Dobson wrote a book, a book, When God Doesn't Make Sense, Holding On to Your Faith During hard, the Hardest Times. It's incredible when you're going through a, a hard stretch. He has lots of great wisdom in there. But similarly, Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God, How to Overcome It. Know Why You Believe is a great little introductory book that answers a whole lot of questions that are commonly asked of Christians that are hard to answer. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis does the same. The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel does a masterful job of unpacking um, prophecies about Jesus. And then Darwin's Black Box, The Biochemical Challenge to Evolution, it was written by a guy named Michael Behe. He is a professor of biochemistry at Lehigh University. And he, and there's another gentleman named Francis Collins, if you ever want to find out, hey, are there some bright people who are Christians, who understand science and understand their faith and can help us understand how to put those things together? Oh, yeah. I mean, Francis Collins is an evangelical Christian. He was the guy who led the Human Genome Project that decoded the human genome. He ran it for 15 years. And he is convinced that that could never have happened by accident, that God had to design this. And his insights are profound. And if somebody said, well, Christians don't know what they're talking about, well, this guy did. Michael Behe is no fool. And there are hundreds more people you could read. But the idea is, will we spend time doing these things? I mean, look at these points. I need to spend time praying. I need to spend time in God's word. I need to spend time with people of faith. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. That's what we've been doing here this morning. Prayers, songs, teaching, God's word to encourage us in our faith. And somebody meet with me this week. They said, I love coming to church here. I do. Uh, and they said it was just, and when I asked them why, they said, well, because I leave here and I'm encouraged. And there's times when I just have so many questions and it seems like exactly what I'm asking. That's what you're talking about today. Hallelujah. That's why we do this, because God brings us together and he encourages us. The same thing happens in our small groups, in our connect groups. When we're sitting there talking to each other and praying, we can answer questions. One of us will have an answer to a question somebody else can't answer. And the next time it's the other way around, and this is why we do church together. Because we all struggle with doubt from time to time. But it's going to take time. And that's, that's always the big struggle. Will I put time in prayer? Will I put time with God's people at the top of my list on my calendar? Will I put time with God's word as a priority? Because when I get to trust him, then my doubts go away. Real quickly, two other things that I'd share with you are these. We can remember the great things that God has done in the past. Another place where um, God is, somebody's crying out to God because life has gone south on them and they've been through a lot of pain is Psalm 77. Here are a couple of verses right out of the middle of the psalm. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? But then I recall all you have done, O Lord, and I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. What he said was, when I'm going through a time when I just am ready to give up, I recount all the wonderful things God has done in the past. I want to tell you, if if you have not experienced a lot with this, you're going to get a supercharge of help on this. The next three weeks, we're um, going to be in a series. Our next series, starting next Sunday, is a series called Gratitude. And the idea behind that is, is that we want to spend time thanking God for all that he's done, thanking God for the relationships in our lives, and thanking God for who he is. And, I mean, you're not going to want to miss this. It is amazing 
how much joy can fill our hearts when we spend our times in gratitude and thanking God for what he's done and how, how much that will strengthen our faith. And finally, the fifth way that you and I can overcome doubt is we can act on the faith we have. I mean, to the guy's credit, he was struggling with faith, but he did bring his son to Jesus. He did that much. Well, you and I need to act on the faith we have. By the way, how are we going to remember the great things God has done for us in the past if we don't step out today? If we step out on faith now, if we trust God and we take one step of faith, when God honors that, well, then we have things to build upon. One of the ways that um, we do this at our church is this, is through, uh, in James 5, it tells us, are any of you suffering hardships? Well, you should pray. Are any of you happy? Then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Well, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. We do this at this church, and our elders are glad to pray over people when they're sick. But it's just, last, just this last week, uh, a week ago, a parent called me and said, John, could you get some of the elders to come pray? And uh, I had a bunch of elders that came. We all prayed for them last Sunday morning. We don't see immediate healings every time we pray, but we have had amazing stories of how God has helped people and helped them overcome illness and blessed the procedures they were going through and given them peace through times when they had no peace at all. And we're going to continue to pray because the scripture tells us to, and we have faith for that. When we have an opportunity at the end of the service to come pray, come pray. I mean, there's a passage in Malachi where the people of the Lord weren't tithing to the Lord. They weren't giving the Lord any part of their income. And it's so interesting because the Lord tells them, why don't you try me? Just try it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and so there'll be enough food in my temple if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you want to have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And if you and I are willing to, God, to honor God with our finances, Jesus said if we put the kingdom first, he'll take care of everything else we need. But will we trust him? Will we trust him with our prayer? Will we trust him enough to spend time in daily devotion saying, Lord, if I put time with you first, you will show me every step I need to take. Lord, if I trust you, if I build a relationship with you, you'll give me confidence even when circumstances around me go crazy. This is what God wants us to have. It's what he wanted his disciples to have. That kind of relationship. And so we can learn from all of these circumstances. And today I'd like to have a word of prayer and ask God to give us a conviction to spend more time with him so we can trust him more. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you'll give us a hunger for your word. And we'll read it and apply it to our lives. I pray that you will give us a desire to get alone with you and pray. And talk about everything in our day, every day, just for a few minutes. And say, God, what do you want me to do today? God, I pray that you will help us develop relationships with other people who trust you. And we can learn from them. And we can encourage each other. Oh God, I pray that you'd remind us of the wonderful things you've done for us in the past. And we would not forget all your kindnesses. And oh God, I pray that you'd give us the courage to step out on faith on the one thing we can do today. To act on the faith we have. 
Oh God, help us with our unbelief. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for your patience with us. We are your children and you are our father. We are sheep and you are the good shepherd and we need you to guide us. If the Lord spoke to you today about anything that you needed to hear in your life and you were challenged in an important way, right now, just a moment of silence with your head bowed, would you say, Lord, I heard you. Increase my faith. Oh God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. The wonderful, strong, almighty name of Jesus. And we ask you to complete things in our lives that we could never complete on our own. Give us faith to trust you more. In this name of Jesus, together, God's people said, Amen. There's a